Okay, those going to the preschool class, you are dismissed. Everyone else, good morning. Please open with me in your Bibles to Romans 16. Romans 16. Well, we started uh, this series in Romans about a year and a half ago, and uh, this morning we have reached the end. We've made it. And uh, one thing I would encourage you to do as we're concluding Romans this morning is to sometime later today or later this week, uh, carve out about, about an hour or so, a little under, to really sit and read through the book of Romans in one sitting. Um, a lot of good and fruitful things come from being able to read a, a complete book of the Bible, a complete letter all in one sitting. You start to see some of the, the overarching themes of the letter come to, come to the surface a bit more when you read it all at one sitting. Um, and, there's, and, and with this being kind of the conclusion of Romans, I think it would be good for you this week to read it all in one sitting and then take a couple things away from it that you really want to, uh, want to stick with you um, as we now move on to preaching other books of the Bible. And as you read through that, uh, if there are questions that you have, uh, the, the good thing is that we have been recording these sermons the last year and a half, and, and uh, our website actually now on the sermons tab is a bit more organized by sermon series, so you can search all the Roman sermons, or if you have questions about other books of the Bible we've preached through, whether it be Hebrews or Mark or Esther or Jonah, you can go back and find those sermons in those books of the Bible, and hopefully that will be a, a resource to you um, in your own uh, study of, of God's Word. Uh, but as you, as you read the letter this week in its entirety, um, one of the things that will stand out to you is that Paul starts the letter in a very similar way that he finishes the letter. And that is by design, and that should clue us in into some of the things that he's been emphasizing to us all along the way. And so if you, if you haven't been with us the past year and a half to go through Romans, no, no worries. Uh, in this sermon, you're going to get caught up on some of the major themes that we've been learning uh, throughout Romans. In fact, I want you, uh, if you can, if you have a Bible opened up, look, look at Romans 16, 25 and 27. And then listen to me read the start of Romans, which is Romans 1, 1 through 7. And I want you to see, as you're looking at Romans 16 and hearing Romans 1, uh, see if you can uh, pick out some of these things that should be standing out as, as some similarities that Paul references. So in Romans 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe, maybe you could tell by how I emphasized certain things, the, the similarities of the opening and the closing of, of Paul's letter. 
Uh, the first similarity we see is that his, his emphasis on the gospel all right, he, he has an emphasis on the gospel, which that word gospel, it's a word that means good news, good news. And he keys us into the fact that the gospel, the good news, is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that what he is proclaiming, what Paul is writing to the Roman church, this is not a unique or a new or different gospel. No, he reiterates in both the opening and the closing that this gospel is what all the scripture has been pointing us to. It's what all the law and the prophets have been preparing us for. However, in the past, it was just a bit mysterious. It was a bit veiled as to how Jesus and how, how God was going to accomplish all this until Jesus came. But then when Jesus came, all this mystery was unveiled and we started to see. And so it's important to note that while Paul talks about mystery here at the end of, of the book of Romans, this is not still a mystery to us. For it has been made known that Jesus is the Christ. It has been shown to us how he has redeemed his people from their sin. And it has been shown to us how Gentiles and Jews both are being welcomed into the people of God through faith in him. That was the mystery for so long that was veiled that people couldn't connect the dots on, that the prophets and the law were all pointing us to. But now in Christ, that mystery has been unveiled. We now see, we now see that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior, the rescuer that we've all been looking forward to. We see how he has redeemed his people from sin. We see how Jew and Gentile have been united and brought into the people of God all through faith in Christ. We also see in both the opening and the ending how Paul emphasizes what the gospel produces. How this gospel is to go to the ends of the earth to bring about the obedience of faith. That was a, a term we saw in both places. The obedience of faith. All for the sake of his name. All for the glory and majesty and fame of God. And so... Uh, this morning might feel like a bit of a repeat to some of you who've been in these Roman sermons with us. And that's by design. And that's how Paul wrote this letter, how he opened and closed uh, this letter. We've titled this sermon series, A Righteousness Revealed. Righteousness Revealed. Because we've seen that word and the theme of righteousness spoken frequently throughout this letter. And so let's start this morning by once again trying to understand what righteousness means. That's a word that we might hear in a church setting or a religious setting, but we don't always understand what righteousness means. And so the word righteous or righteousness, it means to be good, to be holy, to be pure. And as a result of that goodness, pureness, or holiness, you now have a good or right standing before someone. That word righteousness back in this day, it was typically used as a legal term. It would have painted the picture of a courtroom. It was used to describe where someone stood before a judge. And so very simply put, when you think of righteousness, you should think of a rightness with God or to, to have a right standing with God. Now, because we have all sinned, because we have all turned from God's will 
through our thoughts, attitudes, and actions, because of sin, we are not in a right standing with God. We're not. This is the truth we've learned in in Romans, that none in our own strength is righteous. No, not one. None of us have a right standing with God on our own. And we've learned that we all, in our own strength and ability, we are unable to obtain a right standing with God on our own. And therefore, we need, through faith, to receive God's righteousness, which he has provided to us through Jesus. The right standing that Jesus has with the Father, through faith, is now given to us. His right standing with God is now our right standing with the Father. The way to righteousness, the way to a right standing with God has been revealed through Jesus. Praise God. All right. But this morning, we will also see that this gospel through which God saves us and justifies us, which for God to justify us is to declare us right, to declare us to be in a right standing with God, this gospel through which God saves us and justifies us is also the gospel through which God stabilizes us. It's also the gospel through which he strengthens us and establishes us. And so it is this gospel about Jesus, this good news about Jesus, that not only brings us into a right standing with God, but strengthens and stabilizes us in our standing with God so that our faith would continue to produce the fruit of obedience all for the glory of God to all parts of the world and to all parts of our hearts and our lives. And so that's where we're going this morning, where we'll see Paul conclude, and let's pray, and let's ask the Lord for his help. Father, we thank you for your word, and we do thank you for uh, this letter that was written to the Roman church. We thank you for all the good truths and doctrine that we have learned, that you have revealed and made known to us, Lord, in your word. And I ask God that, that... this truth would produce good fruit in our lives. That this, this, this study of you, this study of your truth, Lord, would result in a right worship of you. And that the worship of you would continue to increase in, the, in this world, in the city of Franklin, in our homes, in our hearts, Lord, and in this church. And so we ask, God, that as we proclaim your word, as we receive your word, that we would make much of you, Lord Jesus. For it is all by your grace that we come and can stand rightly before you. We ask, God, for now you to do a great work. Holy Spirit, empower your word as it goes forth. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, look with me now at Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God. Let's stop there for a moment. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Now to him who is able 
to strengthen you. That word strengthen means to put or place something firmly in a location. To cause something to be fixed or established in a place. To have deep roots. Some of your translations uh, say just that. Now to him who is able or, or, more pow- or powerful enough, he who is able or powerful enough to establish you. God does not just save us through the gospel. He strengthens us and he establishes us through the gospel. Christ is proclaimed here every week to not only bring people into a right standing with him, but also so that we would all be established and strengthened in him. We need that church. We need to be strengthened and established in him. We need to be stabilized in him. But notice whose power this strengthening or establishing is dependent upon. He says, to him who is able. To him who is able, referring to God. To him who is able. God is the one who is powerful enough to establish us and strengthen us. He is able, church. He is more than able. And that's, as I'm saying that, I think that's a song, right? He is able, more than able. I didn't mean to go there, but that what someone has thought through this before me, okay? He is able, church. We, in our own strength, in our own ability, are not able to stand rightly before God. We're not able to do that. And we, in our own strength, are not able to establish, strengthen, and stabilize our standing with God. But He is able. And that's the good news. He is able. And I've titled this morning's sermon, Gospel Stability. Gospel Stability, because we must see our need for God to stabilize our lives in Jesus Christ. On our own, we are an unstable people. I think we can be honest enough to admit that. Right? We, we, are, we can be unstable people at times. Maybe, maybe some of us more than others. Uh, maybe, maybe some, you've, you've received that feedback from someone. They've called you unstable. Okay, I don't think I've called anyone in here unstable. Okay, I would use much more pastoral terms like, uh, it seems like you're not anchored in Christ right now. Okay, just to help you if you're trying to translate what a pastor is saying to you. If he says something about not being anchored in Christ, he's, he's getting at some instability there. But we are all prone to be unstable in life. Because when we are working for our own righteousness, when we are working for our own right standing with God, we are unstable because there are so many ups and downs and a lot of crisis moments where the thing that we are leaning on that we think is keeping us right with God, the thing that we are leaning on other than Christ, that we think is making us stand rightly before God, when that gets kicked out from under us, oh man, when that happens, we experience some instability. We experience some ups and downs and it feels like the world is is spinning out of control in those times. 
when we first started gathering as a church five, almost six years ago, uh, was the first time that I had a really bad episode of vertigo. Uh, and, and it lasted for about six months, of, and it would, it would get better, get worse. But for about the first six months of the, the church plant, um, I was experiencing a lot, of, a lot of dizziness, a lot of instability. Uh, and for those of you who've experienced that, you can, you can sympathize with me. You know how that feels. You know how it just it causes you to be unsteady and, and unsure about your next step. It, 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 it's unsettling. You don't know if you look a certain way, if it's going to trigger that, that room spinning sensation, right? It's, it's like being on a, a ride that you can't get off of. You're, you're, you're yelling at the, the, the teacup ride operator to stop the ride, and he's just not paying attention. He's, he won't stop. And for those of you that have never experienced it, I, you could experiment today. Uh, just spin around a baseball bat 30 times uh, every 15 minutes, and then just go try to live your life, okay? And that's, that's what those that have had vertigo are dealing with. And so in those first six months of preaching, you know, I'm, I'm gripping onto a, a, the pulpit really tightly, not sure, uh, you know, if I, I don't feel steady on my feet. Uh, those long pauses that I, I sometimes have, in the beginning, they weren't for dramatic effect. They were just to wait for you guys to stop moving around so much. But when you have vertigo, you don't feel like you're standing on stable ground. It's And there are times that we've all experienced this. So whether it's been vertigo or whether it's just been ice skating or roller skating, we had our end of the year Awana roller skating night, lots of kids, first time roller skating. There was a bit of instability there on their feet. Maybe you can remember a time walking in mud or on ice or in sand on some unstable surface. You couldn't get a good footing. And you see, in a similar way, when we are not trusting in Jesus, we are on unstable ground. Because all the things that we are trusting in, other than Jesus, for our right standing with God and and our right standing in life, they are by nature unstable. They can be shaken. They can come toppling down. They can slip out from under us. And they can cause us to spin out of control if we're resting our weight upon them. But we look to so many other things other than Jesus to give us the stability that we so desperately long for. Uh, some of us look for, uh, so, some of us uh, try to get this right standing and stability through our performance. We're just by nature uh, performers, and so maybe it's our performance at work. Uh, we tell ourselves that when we are succeeding and achieving at work and everything is going well at work, then we feel like we're standing on solid ground. We feel like we're in a good standing with God. We're in a good place in life because things have been successful with work. Oh, but what happens then when there's a bad day at work? What happens when they talk about layoffs or when things uh, just don't go the way you thought they would? Well, you see, our world then starts to feel like it's spinning out of control. Maybe it's our performance in school that we've been trusting in for our right standing. And, and part of what we've relied on growing up is, is, for, for, is that being, we're, just, we're a good kid and we're a good student. And if we do those things, we feel like we are on solid ground in life. 
But then what happens when school is done and we graduate? Or what happens when something happens that shows us and others that we're maybe not as good as we thought we were? Or maybe it's our religious performance that we're leaning on to have a right standing with God. Uh, We feel like if we do this, this, and this for God this week, then we'll be in a right standing with him. You know, if we love people, we're kind, we're compassionate, we're merciful, we do all these good things that we like, that we see in the Bible, if we do these things for God, then we'll have a right standing with God. And oh, we work really hard to do this. A lot of church people work really hard to find their right standing in their religious activity. They like to work for God, but very rarely actually spend time with him. Very rarely learn from him and talk with him and read from him. But they do lots of stuff for him. And if this is you, maybe sometimes then you feel like you can't even go to the Lord and and spend time with him until you've done enough for him. And then you have a right standing with him and now you can really commune and enjoy a relationship with him. But inevitably what happens is when you are leaning on your religious activity for your right standing with God, inevitably, inevitably what happens is that we burn out. We are not able. We don't have the power and the strength that God has. We burn out. We run dry. We get weary from doing all these things for God instead of doing all these things with God. And we, we, we miss out on actually knowing and loving and enjoying the Lord. We look to so many things in life other than Christ for our right standing with God. We look for so, to so many other things in life for our stability in life. Maybe it's our health. We feel like if, uh, that life is stable when our health is good and all of our kids are healthy. But what happens when we get sick? What happens when we get hurt? What happens when we get a diagnosis we were not planning on? Does our world spin out of control? Do our feet slip out from under us? Maybe it's our reputation. We feel like life is stable and everything is good when everyone thinks highly of us and we're popular and we have lots of friends. But what happens when conflict inevitably comes? What happens when untrue things are spoken of you that damage your reputation? Does it crush you? Does it shake you? Does it make you feel like the world is spinning out of control and your feet are slipping out from under you? Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's your bank account. Whatever it might be, we all have things that we look to instead of Jesus for our right standing with God and our stability in life. But, oh, church, we need some gospel stability. The words of the song are true. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand, church. Only God, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, is able to strengthen you and establish you in a right standing with him. One of my new favorite verses, it comes from the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying during a time where God has used the Assyrians to bring judgment on Judah 
and there's chaos and there's turmoil and there's distress and destruction. And, and yet in the midst of all these horrible world-spinning events where it would be easy to feel like everything is unstable, everything's being shaken, everything's toppling down, God's word comes through the prophet in Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. It says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Oh, church, the same truth that was true for God's people back then is true for us as well. He will be the stability of our times. That's good news. That's a good word for us. And I wish that I could speak that to you every time you turned on the news. He will be the stability of of your times, or every time you scrolled through your feed. I wish I could speak that to you every time you started to try to stand upon your emotions or how you're feeling about something. I wish I could speak that to you every time you look to someone other than Jesus for your identity and your right standing. I wish I could speak that to you every time you feel like the world is spinning out of control and your feet are slipping out from under you. Because through faith in Christ, God intends to be the stability of our times. And think about how much energy we waste in looking for solid ground to stand on. Think about how much energy is wasted in trying to make a stable platform for ourselves to stand on. And think about how much anxiety is experienced worrying that what we are looking to for strength and stability could be taken away from us in a moment. Oh, church, use your energy instead to know and love and enjoy Jesus. And he will be the stability of your life. It is through faith in him that we are brought into a right standing with God, and it is through faith in him that we are strengthened and established in our standing with God. The gospel of Jesus Christ provides you the stability you ultimately long for, but that you have looked in all the wrong places to find. It is in Jesus Christ And it is only in Jesus Christ that God loves you, forgives you, accepts you, and God rejoices over you as beloved sons and daughters. Who you are in Christ will provide you the stability you are longing for. But have you been merely trying to obey God Have you been trying to obey God and do the right thing in life without actually trusting God 
And here's where some of us get off track, right? Trying to obey God, trying to do the right thing in life, but apart from faith, apart from any sort of trust in God, believing in what his word says. And here's what we need, where we need to come to understand about faith and the fruit that comes from faith. Paul, in the opening and closing of this letter, has talked about the obedience of faith. And we've got to know what he's talking about here before we close this series out. Look back at Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. It is through the good news of the gospel that we are saved and that we are established in a right standing with God, but God has a purpose for all of this. There's an end goal in mind that all this is working towards. Sinners are not justified and declared right with God simply so that they could go to heaven, but until that time, live however they want. No, we stand and are stabilized in Christ so that we would bear fruit, so that we would learn to love to obey God's word and God's ways so that the worship of God would increase in every part of our world and in every part of our hearts. Paul's mission to preach the gospel to the nations is to bring about the obedience of faith. And what he's saying in that phrase is that obedience is the fruit of true faith. Obedience is the fruit of true faith. Now, that's not perfect obedience, okay? We'll never get to that point where we are completely sinless, this side of glory. But true faith in Christ does bear fruit, and it produces hearts and lives that are learning to love and obey God more and more. But it is all through faith. It all starts with a trust, a reliance, and a dependence upon Jesus to be the stability of our lives. And let me remind you of one of the key verses in this letter from Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. That's a phrase that means from beginning to end, our right standing with God is by faith. From beginning to end, our right standing with God is by faith. We don't start following Jesus by faith and then continue on in our own strength. No, we start, we continue, we persevere, and we finish all by faith in Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, who was one of the great reformers during the, the Protestant Reformation, 
who brought some really important and key truths back into the life of the church. That according to Scripture, we are justified and declared right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Martin Luther was all about faith alone, living by faith alone, but even he said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. (laughs) Why can he say that? Why can he say that? Because true faith bears fruit. True faith bears fruit. But before we even get to the fruit that comes from faith, let's talk about faith a little bit more. Again, this is one of those words we use a lot in a church setting and and religious setting, and sometimes don't always even know what we're talking about. Essentially, faith means to trust, to rely, and to depend upon something or someone. And William uh, Barclay was a Scottish theologian in the early 1900s. He, he described how someone typically comes to saving faith. And there are exceptions to this, but this is the typical path someone walks as they come to a saving faith in Christ. He said that faith typically begins with someone first being receptive to the truth. They're, they're open to hearing about it, right? It can start with just someone being interested and wanting to, wanting to hear more about this, this Jesus guy and, 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 and why people gather on Sundays to worship him and what, what all is going on here. It will then, though, progress from just being receptive and open to hearing about it. It will then typically progress to an a, uh, intellectual agreement, a, a agreeing with the truth. Like you, you, you've started out by being receptive to hearing about Jesus, but now you actually agree that you are a sinner, that you need a Savior, and that Jesus is the Savior who died for your sins and three days later rose from the dead so that you can experience new life with him. And so maybe that's you this morning. You've, you've mentally agreed with these things that you have heard and received about Jesus. And a lot of church-going people get to this point where they mentally they can agree with what they've heard. But true saving faith, faith that produces fruit, it really goes to this final stage where someone hears the gospel message agrees that it is true, and then casts themselves completely onto Christ. There was a a missionary named John Patton who was sharing the gospel in the South Pacific Islands, and he was translating the the scriptures uh, for uh, for the people into their own language. But as he was translating, he was unable to find a word in their language, in their vocabulary, that would really fit this idea of faith and what true saving faith is. And he he had no idea how to explain faith to the people. And then one day, while he was translating in his hut, a man came running in and flopped into his chair and said to Patton, it is so good to rest my whole weight in this chair. And Patton said, that's it. That's the word. Because that's the complete picture of faith. It's not just being open to hearing about a chair that could in theory hold you. It's not just agreeing intellectually with the truth that the chair could hold your weight. Faith means to put your whole weight in the chair. It means to rest your whole life on Jesus Christ. It means to lean on him and him alone for your right standing with God and for your stability in life. 
And so a question I have for you is, are you resting your entire life upon Jesus? As the truth of God's word goes forth in this world, as the truth of God's word goes forth into your life, the end goal is to bring about the obedience that springs from a faith like that, a faith that has cast themselves completely onto Christ. And so where are you at in your faith in God? Are you in the receptive part where you're, you're open to, to hearing about him? And if that's where you're at, praise God. Keep, keep seeking, keep learning, keep going to God's word, keep being a part of a healthy church. I'm telling you, the more you learn about God, the more there is to love about God, the more there is to be in awe of him about Where are you at in your faith? Maybe you're receptive, but now you're actually mentally agreeing with it. You've, you, you've heard it enough and you've experienced it enough to say, no, yes, I, I agree. I agree that this is true. I agree that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if that's you, praise God for that. But at some point, and maybe even today's the day, it's time to rest your whole weight upon him. It's time for him to be the stability of your life. Not all these things that you're doing for him, but what he has done for you. You see, that's sometimes what gospel stability, that's the, 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 the switch that needs to be flipped. A lot of times, us church-going people, we can be leaning on and standing on and, and, and trusting in our right standing with God because of all the right things we have done for God. But gospel stability steps in and says, no, 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 no. You stand right before God because all that he has done for you, all that Christ has done for you. And when you are leaning your whole weight upon what Christ has done for you, church, I don't, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in your life. I don't know what, know what's going to exactly play out in, in our world, in our city. But when you are leaning upon Christ alone and what he has done for you, he will be the stability of your life. When all else is shaken, when all other false gods fall down before him, Christ will be standing strong and you will be standing in him. Maybe you've come to that saving faith though years ago. I know I'm speaking to lots of Christians in the room. Maybe you've come to saving faith years ago. But church, listen, as you continue in the faith, and as God strengthens you and establishes you and roots you deeper and deeper in Christ, throughout the Christian life, he will continue to show you more parts of your life and your heart that need to be more rooted in Christ to produce more obedience to God that will result in more worship of him. For Jesus Christ is a conquering king, and more and more of the world is coming to surrender to him. Every sphere of life is coming under his lordship, and in the same way, he is bringing every aspect of your life under his leadership for your joy and his glory. 
And oh, when we lean into that, when we trust in that, when we go with him on that mission, oh, we are stable, we are steadfast, we have joy, we have peace. It's when we fight that mission. It's when we fight his lordship in life. It's when we fight him, him submitting more to him. That's when things get unstable. That's when things get shaky. That's when things start slipping out from under us. And so church, are there certain things that you are still holding on to that you won't surrender to him. I was just thinking of that, the, the Awana skating party and some of the littler boys were, you know, just on, on the railing, you know, just trying to keep themselves upright as much as they could be. And there were times that I was with them and there were times we had to, you know, there were parts of the rink where there wasn't a railing. And there was times where I was trying to come up and I would, I would hold their hand and, and instead of the railing, they could actually just hold my hand and I would try to keep, the, keep us both upright as, as we skated. And that railing... I think can, can be sometimes, even for Christians, some of those pet sins, some of those things we're still holding on to that we won't surrender to Christ, and we miss out on fellowship with God because we're stuck on the railing. We have a God who's come and wants to be in a relationship with us, wants to hold our hand, wants to skate with us, live with us, go on mission with us, and we're holding on to these little pet sins because we think they're safer. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from experiencing more fellowship, more communion with Christ? Are you holding on to a grudge and unforgiveness all because you don't trust that Christ knows what to do with it. You don't know how to let it go and let it over to him. You're afraid you're going to lose that power and control over the other person if you do that. Oh, you see, when we are trusting Christ in every sphere and in every aspect of our heart, the fruit of obedience and worship starts to overflow in our lives. We start to become like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in its season. We get this wonderful imagery from, from Psalm chapter 1. And I actually am going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes here for a moment. I want you to just visualize Psalm 1 as I read it out loud. I want you to think about how being rooted in Christ, faith in Christ, how that produces fruit in our life, how that overflows into worship in our life and in our world. Hear Psalm 1 and try to, try to paint a mental picture in your mind. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can open up your eyes now. What a great picture of what gospel stability looks like. To be someone planted and established by a stream of living water, yielding the fruit of obedience and the worship of God, For that has been the ultimate purpose of Paul's letter to the Romans and Paul's mission in proclaiming the gospel to the nations. It's been all for the glory of God. It's been so that the worship of God would increase in the world and in our hearts. God's glory is to be the theme of a Christian's life and the joy of our hearts. This letter really has ultimately been all about God. And one of the things I said in the, in the first sermon, in one of the first sermons on Romans, was that the, this letter written to the Romans is primarily about God. In fact, all of the Bible is primarily about God. In fact, all of life is primarily about God. And you will never understand Romans And you will never understand the Bible, and you will never understand your life if you think it's primarily about you. I mean, you can't get far in your understanding of astronomy if you start with the belief that the earth is at the center of the universe. And the same is true with life. You can't get very far in understanding it if you still believe it's all centered around you. It's not. This is all about God. And you will be so much wiser and more full of joy when you understand that. Paul finishes this letter by saying, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been where the whole letter has been headed. It's all been for the glory and worship of God. Theology must turn into doxology, as many have said that phrase. Our study of God, our theology, if done rightly, if done by faith, it should result in our worship of God. And if it's not resulting in a worship of God, if it's resulting in a worship of self, then you've been studying and learning wrongly. Our study of God, our study of his word, it should result, if we're doing it rightly, doing it by faith, it will result in our worship of God. And there's a stability that comes to our lives when we understand that this is what we were created for and that this is where all things are headed. We were created to glorify God, enjoy him forever, worship him forever. And anything that is keeping you from that, God will likely, out of love, kick that out from under you so that you would find your true stability in him. 
Like whatever strength or ability or thing that is propping you up right now in life that feels like is giving you a right standing, giving you your stability, I don't know your future, but I know how God typically works, and God will likely take that out from under you so that you will rest in him and him alone for your right standing, so that you will worship him and him alone, because he alone is able to strengthen and establish you. He is able. He is able. And so, church, trust him. Trust him. May he be the stability of your life. And so all who are feeling a bit unstable today, come. He is able to strengthen you and establish you. All those who feel a bit uneasy, feel, feel like your feet are slipping out from under you, feel like you don't have a solid foundation, God says, come, and he is able to establish you, give you a firm foundation. He is able, church. Trust him. May we trust him. Let's pray.